Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, we had special guest missionary Jim Smith with his message, Only One Name. I'm going to invite Jim Smith to the pulpit. Welcome him. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a blessing. What a blessing it is to be at Battlefield. Uh, we have uh, heard of this church for several years, of course. We, were, we became acquainted with your pastor and, and Krista when they were in Missouri, and we're grateful to have the opportunity to be with you this morning. The theme verse for our missions revival is back here. It says Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Do you believe that? What I love about your, your, your theme is also the, the actual picture. I love the, the fact that there's a lot of people. Now, we have a logo on our little card, and it's just us old people on the front. And then on the back, it's got a globe because we're international, you know. But I like yours a lot better because it's not, it's not geography. It's not countries or continents that we proclaim the good news to. It's people. It's people like those faces that we see. And everybody that comes to Christ has to come to Christ one by one. Get it? One by one. It's, it sounds the same, doesn't it? All right, anyway. Even if you were saved, I have a dear friend. He's a missionary in Ecuador who was saved in a Billy Graham crusade. Probably hundreds of people that night got saved. But you know what? Every single one of them came to Christ one at a time. Because there's only one that can offer salvation. The one man who had offered one sacrifices for sin forever. And so this is all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The penalty for our sin is eternal death. But God so loved us. That he sent his only son, Jesus, to take our place, to take our punishment, and become the sacrifice for our sin so that we could pass from death to life, from darkness to light. Only one sacrifice was necessary, and only one man could offer that sacrifice. And now it is our responsibility... To let everyone know. I want us to go to Acts this morning. Acts chapter 3. Not long after the crucifixion of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1. He had given the church the great commission. And he ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit of God came down. And began to indwell the lives of the believers. In Acts chapter 2. And we find that way back there in the. When the church in Jerusalem was just getting started, we find a great demonstration of grace and mercy from our Lord. We find it in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which was the customary time of prayer, Peter and John walked to the temple of the Jews Some people at that very moment were carrying in a man who had been paralyzed since birth. Every day they brought him to a place near the beautiful gate, which was one of the temple entrances. 
so that he could beg for money from people entering to worship. He saw Peter and John coming and he asked them for a contribution. You, You remember the story, don't you? Peter tells the poor man, we don't have any money, but we have something better. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one, stand up and walk. As a result of the healing of the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, the man entered the temple walking, leaping, and praising God. He was literally jumping for joy. When the people saw him, they were filled with wonder and amazement, and Peter took the the opportunity to do some preaching at the Jewish temple, at Solomon's portico, at the porch. Amazing things were happening, and just as amazing as the things that were happening is that neither Peter nor John were taking credit for those wonderful things. In a rather accusatory sermon, he clarifies that the miracle was not done by his or John's power. It wasn't accomplished because of their own spirituality or their own godliness or holiness. He quickly turns things around and he says, You killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead. What were you thinking? You killed the originator of life. You think you can do that? Look what he says in verse 14, Acts chapter 3. But ye denied the Holy One, and the yes, ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God had raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And His name, through faith, in His name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by Him hath given Him this perfect soundness. In the presence of you all. So Peter preaches about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knows that that's the good news. And he goes on and he quotes Deuteronomy and he quotes Genesis. And and as he speaks, the Bible says in chapter 4 verse 1 that the Sadducees came upon them. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. They they came in, they heard him speaking, and it's important that they, they mentioned that the Sadducees came Because that was the sect of the Jews that did not believe in any kind of resurrection. And as Dr. Haru used to say, that is why they were sad, you see. They, they, They didn't believe in any kind of resurrection, and that's what they were talking about. They were talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they were also saying that people can be resurrected if they trust in Jesus Christ. They arrested Peter and John and took them into custody, but it was too late. It was too late. Look at verse 4. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about (laughs) 5,000. They're on the portico of Solomon's 
porch of, at the temple. They're, they're preaching what happened to this man who, who was just begging for money. And the Bible says many believed. The religious leaders, the, the legal uh, entities, they came in, they took them away. But not before many had believed. When the message of the gospel of Jesus is preached in the power of God and in the fullness of the Spirit of God, even in difficult places, people are brought to conviction and to repentance and belief. So now these almost middle-aged fishermen spend a night in jail. The next morning, they're brought before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, the, here they, they call them the rulers, elders, and scribes, but that was what they called the Sanhedrin, the national ruling body of the Jews. It was like their supreme court. There were 71 members of this court, including the, the high priest. So they come before this supreme court, and, and this court wants to set them up. And so they ask them a trick question. By what power or by what name have you done this? Verse number 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power and by what name have you done this? Who gave you the authority to create such a spectacle in the holy temple yesterday? What were you thinking? Who, Who said you could do that? Who gave you the permission? Did you get the council's permit to do this? And I can see as they hear that question, Peter take a deep breath. And then he lets go. Look at number eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, but it's become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter is so clear here. He is saying, make no mistake about this. I'm I'm not going to try and spin this into something different than it is. It is absolutely clear. I know who gave me the authority. I know in whose name I speak. You see, it was just a few weeks ago. We were standing on that hill. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. I was standing there and I heard him say that. Not only do I know where the authority comes from, I know the name. Yes, I know the name and I know him personally. I heard him say the night before he was crucified, I am the one and only way. I am the one and only truth. I am the one and only life. No one but no one can come to the Father except through me. Yes, I know who he is. I know which authority I have. I know his name and I know who he is. He is my Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to understand this morning that our message is in fact exclusive. There is no wiggle room here. 
There are no legal loopholes for a shrewd lawyer to find. There is sin, there is heaven, there is hell, and there is truth. There is a name, and there is no other name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We cannot. We cannot be saved by any other name. And what a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. Our Lord many times in the scripture is defined by his names. And he has many names. They are descriptive of his person and his purpose and his activity. It is in his name alone that we have the opportunity of salvation. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus means Jehovah Savior, Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Resurrected Lord, and the Coming King. He is our Savior if we let him. We must confess our need of a Savior. Understand that only by trusting in what he has done for us can we be forgiven of the sin and the wrongdoing in our life. There's only one name and there is no other. There is no eternal life in the prayer wheels of Buddhism. There is no secure salvation found in the lit candles to all the saints in all the cathedrals around the world. There is no salvation in Peter or Mary. There is no salvation in the enormous number of the Hindu gods. There is no salvation in an Allah who has no son. There's no salvation without Jesus. There is certainly no salvation in the politicians or the world leaders or the economists or the weathermen, or the scientists of our time. But let me say quickly that even though our message is exclusive, our method must be inclusive. You see, we should be telling this exclusive message to everyone in the world especially those who have been blinded and confused by false teaching. We should be telling this message to our neighbors, those that work in the same office, those who study in the same school, those whom we see regularly. And we should tell this message to those that we've never met, pictured by their faces here. We don't know those people but every one of those people represent a whole people group who need to know the Savior. World missions is all about eternal investments. Paul told the Philippians, I'm not looking for a gift. I want fruit to abound to your account. During our 30 years in Ecuador, we looked at all of our supporting churches as investors. Every time something positive happened, it was fruit to the account of the investors. We didn't have a big number all at once, but the fruit of a steady ministry is like the dividends of a strong corporation. Steady growth, 
thousands over the years, thousands of Ecuadorians heard the good news. Churches were established. A strong Bible Institute has stood firm since 1987. The Bible Institute and the churches are all operating under Ecuadorian leadership. Just this last April, 30 years after the beginning of our Bible Institute, Sharon and I were privileged to begin teaching again. Now through live streaming, we have classes on Tuesday nights. From wherever we happen to be in the world, we can teach our students live in Ecuador and through the satellite system that the Bible Institute now has, we can teach students in different parts of the world. What a blessing it is to see the fruit abounding to the account of those who sacrificially gave all those years ago. That's how, it, that's how eternal investments work. When you meet these young, exciting missionaries, don't think of it in terms of money or clothes, or vehicles, or salaries, or buildings, or needs. It's about the fruit. There's no other name by which we can get to heaven. It's all about Jesus. But there are some other names. A pastor I know who has a big church is sometimes criticized for talking about numbers, and his response is, every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So let me, let me tell you, let me share some other names with you today. Miguel. Miguel is a Colombian who came to our little church one day in Quito, Ecuador, looking for a kingdom hall. Two weeks later, he got saved. When we started our Bible Institute 30 years ago, he was the first one to sign up. He's pastoring a church in Liga the north part of Quito today. He's sharing the good news about the one name, the Son of God. Melsi is a wife and mother. She got saved watching a nut job on TV. I thought that would relate. Um, they don't watch TV, preacher, that's good. Um, but she got saved watching a nut job and then came to our church because it made more sense to her to study the Bible. Her kids are now following the Lord. Her son is a missionary sent by our church to Argentina. When we were living in Ecuador, I was privileged to have a ministry in the women's prison there in Quito. And the ministry I had was with um, mostly young girls from other countries of the world from um, United States, Canada, South Africa, many countries in Europe, and some in Asia. And these girls were all there on drug trafficking charges. Many of them were not guilty. They had been set up or tricked. Some of them were guilty. But the thing they had in common is they did not speak Spanish. And now they were in a third world country, and their, their embassy, their consulate could do nothing to help them. And they had no way of communicating with, with the authorities. So my ministry was to help them. I contacted their families for them, and I would um, go to court with them, talk to the authorities, and, and do what I could to help them, take them to um, speak to the doctors for them. And, and the most important thing I could do for them was um, teach them about Jesus. And so every week we had a Bible study among the other activities. Well, one day when I went in for Bible study, the girls, some of the girls met me at the door after I'd passed through the checkpoint, and 
they said, we have a new girl with us today, and, but we can't talk to her. She's from, she's from Russia. She doesn't speak English. And so I said a quick prayer, Lord, I don't speak Russian. I can do English and Spanish, but you have to help me here. So I went in, and, and Zena was sitting in the back, and I saw her over there. I went and sat down beside her, and she, she was just distraught. And so I talked to her for a little while after the Bible study. I said we would um, go out and find and talk, and we did. And she and I, she started to tell me her story. She actually had been living in Spain for a little while, so she spoke a little bit of Spanish. So I got my Spanish Bible and I spoke very slowly and kept making sure that she could understand me. And I and she said that her the father of her baby boy had taken away her baby and said, you go to Ecuador and pick up my package of drugs, and when you bring it back, you'll have your baby back. And she was crying, and she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, Zena, let me tell you about God's love for you. Do you know God loves you? And she said, no. She said, nobody loves me. I don't have family. I don't have anybody, and I don't even have my baby. And I said, God does love you, and I'm gonna, I love you, and I'm going to show you. And we talked very slowly for a long time, and I told her all about Jesus and his love for her. And finally, she, she asked Jesus to save her. Now, when a girl would accept the Lord, this was a very dark, evil place. And I would try to find one of our stronger Christian girls to stay with them and, and try to read the Bible with them and pray with them and help them along. And I tried to think who could do that because Zena doesn't speak English and or German or any of the other languages that we had. And then I remembered Laura from Poland, and Laura did speak Spanish. So I said, let's go find Laura. And we did, and I said, Laura, this is Zina, and she's from Russia. And before I could say anything else, Laura said something to Zina that I didn't understand. And then Zina said something else back to Laura with a smile on her face that I didn't understand. I said, Laura, do you speak, do you speak Russian? And Laura said, oh, yes. She said, I have relatives in Russia. Growing up, I spent much time there. You know, God gave Zina eternal life and then somebody to disciple her in her own language. There are lots of names, lots of names, lots of faces, like Miguel and Melcy and Zina. Veronica was a 12-year-old girl who when her mother died of cancer, her mother was a believer and had begun to take her children to our church. Veronica grew to love the Lord and his work. When she graduated from high school, she became my administrative assistant and remained there for many years. During that time, she married a student in our Bible Institute who later became the senior pastor of our first church. You have a long list of missionaries here at Battlefield. And it would be tempting to say, we, we're doing all we can, and we've done enough. But the truth is, there's always room for more people to be involved. Because there are still lots of people that need to hear. You see, there's no other name. For an Ecuadorian, or a Colombian, or a Welshman, or a Mexican, or a Bahamian or a Brazilian, or a college student, or anyone else in the world to go to heaven, he must trust in the only name. 
So we must continue to send missionaries to the far-off places of the world because we have not yet completed our task. And I can assure you, as I look over the list of your missionaries, I can guarantee you that every month there's a new church being established somewhere on earth. People are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time this morning, somewhere where your missionaries are preaching. If you're faithfully giving and praying, you're having a part in that. You have some fruit-bearing missionaries, so that fruit is abounding to your account. When your Bible says nations, in the New Testament, it's referring to ethnos or ethnicities, the people groups. They each have a specific language and a culture and a worldview, and there are thousands of them, but there's only one Savior. There's only one name by which they can be saved because there is only one who could bear our sins and pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be redeemed, so that we could pass from darkness to light. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Let us continue to be exclusive with our message. Let's focus in like a laser on the essentials of the gospel. And then let's stretch our arms all around the world so that everyone can have a chance to hear the good news and have a chance to trust in the one name which is above all other names, the only name that can give us everlasting life. Would you stand with me as we pray? Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.